But like all these pieces of technology, there's stuff where like if you're on a call with someone or again, if you're talking to someone in, in real space while you're on this thing, people use hand gestures all the time, right? And this thing is just yeah. misfiring clicks just all the Italians time. Italians are in shambles right now. Oh my God. Just <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 453 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the miscellaneous programmer. I'm Sam, and I'm not the programmer. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is February 2th. 22 by 4. And before we get started, we have a warning there's going to be swears and profanes on this show. And we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you so much for the recurring donations to help keep the podcast going. Uh, All right. Now, we got just like a little bit of stuff to talk about today. A little bit. And then we'll get into some questions. So the the one thing that we want to talk about, the news item, is the Apple Vision Pro. It's out. It yeah, comes out today. Yeah. Um, so what is the Apple Vision Pro and uh, what do we think is going to happen mm-hmm. with this thing? So it is another VR headset, though I think Apple's overall approach would be to try to suggest that it's an AR headset, yeah. meaning that it puts mm-hmm. stuff in the world that you then see. So you're but not even like, that, trapped. It's actually neither of those things, Sam. It's a spatial computing device. Exactly. Exactly. So I imagine if yeah. you make stuff for it, you, they probably make you say it that way. Um, you yes. Know, it's called branding. Spatial OS. It's their own, a new yep. operating system that runs on this thing. And uh, I think the one benefit it has over other VR platforms, if you're going to get into one, and I'm going to call it a VR platform because- Because that uh, is what it is. That is what it is. This is not Apple's marketing house. <laughs> so uh, the one benefit though, is that it actually shares the library with your with uh, your iPad? So let's say you've like you know you got a bunch of stuff basically you know that you've had accumulated in your library. It's kind of like your Steam library, right? Um, if you pop that bad boy on, you got access to it there. The question is, if it's does compatible. it matter? Yeah, um, and that's kind of there's there's a, there's a variety of things that have come out about this so far. Um, one of the best reviews I read was in uh, in The Verge. And the reason I was curious about this was because it's always one. Apple does do some things very, very well and some certain parts of that are like the are hardware aspects, right? Certain pieces of tech where they're like, they fling it up to 11, right? And they certainly did that with some of the stuff, like some of the, basically the bits and pieces in this headset. But I think the, the challenge is that while they essentially talk about it as this computing device that you're supposed to you know, be able to like wear kind of like all day, you know, like work in it, um, mm-hmm. wear it most of the day whatever else it's still actually a, it's a vr headset and like it kind of comes out that no matter what it's you pretty do, heavy yeah no one really wants to wear it that bad you know and in order to get like the thing to look a certain way they like move the battery pack off to the side like on a separate little dongle which you never see in marketing yeah, you, you basically keep the battery sort of like in your pocket attached to a cord yeah uh, that goes up to the headset right yeah and a lot of a lot of the other headsets which is throughout. better than just being like plugged into a wall you know it's better well, than putting all the weight on your head yeah. as well well <laughs> it kind of is except uh it's a balance it's actually a balance problem more so than a weight problem so the headset itself because it's all front load most most vr headsets put something in the back so that the fact that you have all this computing tech and like video tech on the like right on your face is basically balanced out by some of the uh, essentially yeah. batteries and the other hardware on the back, which means that it might be heavy, but it actually, you know, is balanced on your head. It's not pulling your head forward all the time. It's not the case here because they wanted it to look like a cool, like snowboarding goggles, which it does, to be fair. It looks very kind of trony, but at the same time, uh, apparently not very not very easy to just kind of like sit in for a long time, which is essentially what their like overall pitch is about it. Like it's a spatial computing device. You're supposed to be able to sit in it and like work on spreadsheets. I don't know why you do that, but you could do that if you want. Um, and so yeah, I, my, my position with all these kinds of things is if it reaches a point where it's comfortable to wear um, and reliable enough that, that I could just use it, you know, all the time, then it would be really cool to have something like this instead of having giant desktop monitors taking up all this mm-hmm. space because you could just project a monitor into the space above your desk or wherever you yes. want to work. Um, and that, that to me is like the the real selling point of something like this 
but because of the the form factor and the weight and the battery life and the fact that it's stuck in the Apple ecosystem, blah blah blah. Like I can't. I'm. I this isn't. This doesn't hit the mark for me. Yeah. When it, right? As a uh, as a programmer, especially a game programmer, uh, you need. You need access to enormous amounts of processing power and storage and all kinds of stuff, right? So, like, if it's basically a it's basically a branch off of mobile, right? If it's basically like kind of like an mm-hmm. iPad operating system, shares that same library, shares all the same limitations and all that kind of stuff, right? Then it, I imagine they might have some use case where, like, if you've got a Mac, you can use it as a kind of like to talk to the Mac, or maybe I'm not sure, like the full so. range of like the things you can do that are. But yeah. but if you couldn't, I would basically be like, yeah, you can't use this as a work device because it's not yes. powerful enough. It's not and it's not useful it's not really enough. F- it's too closed. Well, a, that ecosystem is too that, closed. Yeah. Well, they've made a lot of these really really impressive uh, technical advancements on the visuals side uh, because essentially what they're doing is is that it looks like you are seeing the world still. But that's actually being delivered to you from cameras on the front of the device. So you are not just looking at the world. Yeah. And it's like so overlay. you can look through the well, – yeah. I mean not, not literally through it, but like it's a pass-through camera, right? Exactly. So you can see the world. And apparently the latency is good, you know, so it's not like a weird lag and stuff. But the problem is, again, like we talked about this, I talked about this a while ago actually with HDR and some of the other things. The color space that that monitors can render is not the color space that you get to see in the world. It's like half the colors. and It, it can't go f- – to full brightness and full darkness, you know, so it's a compressed color space. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's so, not just about brightness. It's, you know, literally the colors too. It's yeah, all the colors. Things, yeah. And so, again, when you talk about, like, there's certain kinds of work, sure, that, like, maybe you could pull up a, put this on your face and then, like, put a monitor up in virtual space. But what's weird about that is, like, you will not be able to see it as well in some ways. <laughs> Versus just a, just a monitor just in real space, monitor. and so I think that's always where the the rub for all this stuff comes in because it's like you're it's not your eyes; it's already being it's already in a pass through format of some sort that degrades enough of it that it's just never quite as good as the real world, and that can be fine, but it has to come along with like so many other things that work really well or offer something that is compelling enough that I think you could like, yeah, you could spend the time in there in a way. And I just, it's like, it's cool. It's it's like, oh, cool. But it's a cool gadget, but it's not like actually a revolution of any. Yeah. And I'm thinking about this. So I'm, I'm kind of on the fence because back when, when the iPhone came out, I had a Blackberry, right? And I was like, who would want to try to type shit on a touchscreen? And I still stand by that. It's a bad, it's a bad experience. (laughs) Okay. Like I just, I make, I'm typing at like 10 words per minute on this thing. You know, I'm making typos. I got to delete shit all the time, blah, blah, blah. What I didn't recognize, I think, is that that's actually not that much slower than how most people type on an actual keyboard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas I type about 120 words per minute on a keyboard, and so I can feel—I I can just feel my time just being deleted while I u- while I try to type stuff on a touchscreen. But that difference is not that stark because the average typing speed is 30 words per minute. But I think right? I, the the other thing though so, is that the cell is actually not even about productivity on like that micro level, but it's about it's about the app well, system. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like. When the iPhone appeared, I saw it and I was like, who want, Who wants this? It has no buttons. It's no keyboard. You can't – like what can you do with this thing, yeah, right? what's the use case? Um, mm-hmm. But my reservations about it were not shared sure. by That's fair, the yeah. majority of the population. And so when I'm looking at this thing, I'm like, well, there's definitely some stuff about it that makes it off limits for a lot of people. Specifically, it's $3,500 for yes, this. Yes, price is not going to that. That's the starting price tag. because yeah, That's the starting price. And if you want it to be actually, ball. yeah, and if you want it to be usable, in other words, have some actual storage, because it starts with 256 gigabytes of storage, which is, I mean, if you wanted to get like an SD card that had that, I think that would be like $10 or some <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> it's basically right? so like, free. Yeah. And if you want to get, to yeah, and if you want to get another 256 gigabytes, they're going to charge you $200 more. Which to me is again the question of like, it. I'm not really sure who the Vision Pro is for, right? Because it's well, it's, I, I think I know who it's for. It's for uh, it's for app hardcore Apple fanboys and first adopters, mm-hmm. where uh, it's to me, it's a prototype, it's a proof of concept, kind of like maybe almost like the first Apple Watch, right? Where it was like really expensive and couldn't really do that much and didn't really deliver on the promise, yeah, but people were excited about it, and that was about it, yeah. And people were excited about the the concept and like where it's going to go, you know? And so they wanted to like 
like start to learn it and learn how to use it and get on board, you know? Um, yeah. Well, cause I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's, yeah, I think it's to me, it's, it's leaves VR where it has always been historically. And to me, it doesn't change anything about what, where it looks like it's going to go, which is that VR is for fun. That's mm-hmm. it. VR and for and for novelty and because it's cool. There's those are it's for Beat Saber. It's for Beat Saber. <laughs> like like those are the reasons, right? And I, so far, I haven't seen anything about you know in the lead up to its actual launch or in the reviews that have started coming out. Um, I haven't seen anything that suggests that what Apple's doing with the Vision Pro is actually turning it into something that goes beyond the this would be neat kind of category of thing you know i, yeah, I agree with that and, and, but, it, but i think it's interesting because especially because they've trapped it on the the mobile type of of system that closed off system mm-hmm. where you don't have control over your device like to me like you can't sell that as a work thing which seems like a lot of what their angle is you know because uh, like for me to for me to work on stuff i need a, a pretty unconstrained device where i can do whatever i need to do you know uh, and that's not the direction they're going with it. If this is the prototype, they're going mm-hmm. to the, like, this is an entertainment device, just like, just like iOS and iPad, right. And all this stuff. Yeah. Like these are basically communications and entertainment devices. And for $3,500. Yeah. That, and that's just, <laughs> and yeah, just and, too and, much. And that's like, that to me is the thing is like, they could have, they could have taken this opportunity to be like, to put it more into like to the Mac OS kind of domain. Right. Where, where like the, a laptop is for work. Mac OS is for work, right? It's for and for yeah, everything else too, right? But it's not except gaming. Except gaming, like I, every, every time I try to do anything, well, I mean, you technically can play games on a Mac. It's just nobody does, right? You sure can. Uh, but, but you know, you, somebody reprogrammed a pregnancy test to run Doom. So ooh. I mean, yeah, you can play games on a Mac, but there's you don't you know there's better options. Mm-hmm. So is there a list somewhere <laughs> of all of the weird things people have put Doom on? I guess the joke is that anytime there's a, a new electronics device, you can play Doom on it within like within moments. I saw. Yeah. I think it was like a pair of earrings or something that somebody made these like they were like kind of they were like a little like uh, some LED kind of a console kind, like just like a little LED screen. But because it had an LED screen that actually like lit up and had a message on it. That someone was like, I bet you could put whatever's going on in there, I bet you could put Doom on it. And then they did. I was reading an article this past week that I was like, this has to be bullshit, but I didn't care enough to look into it. So now I'm going to spread some misinformation. You guys ready? Yeah. Some scientists were doing some experiments with using actual human brain neurons to create uh, like electrical circuits and computers that they could try to interact with. And they are attempting to get it to run Doom. (laughs) I mean, I believe it if they're attempting to do it. I wouldn't yeah, believe it if they did it. Yeah, because it would have to have a way to render it, you know. Yeah, and I don't too know how many things have to be true for it to actually work. Yeah, yeah. but then it's like if anything is vaguely computer-like, people are like, but can we, can we play Doom on this thing? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do want to talk about two uh, use case things with the or, uh, sorry usability things with the Vision Pro that I've that I read about that are really interesting because they sound very small, but I think they're one of those things that end up making it a technology that you probably won't actually use very much even if you get it. Hmm. And they are. One is that it projects your eyes onto the front of the device. Yeah. Okay. So actually, apparently it doesn't. No, no, it does. Like, like it shows your eyes. Like, but so, I, so I saw that in, in like in promo videos and stuff, but then in any actual videos of people using it, uh, they keep commenting about how, how it, it can't actually do that yet or something like that. Like the Verge one, they... The guy showed it. Yeah, they yeah. did show yeah, it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. A, so there was there was some mixed messages about whether that was just like a marketing gimmick. No, no it does do it. Like the problem thing. is that it's weird. Yeah, it would have been better if it was a marketing gimmick, you know? Yeah, it's but, weird for a number yeah. of reasons, but but one of them is because you don't know when it's doing it always, if that makes sense. Oh. So the, you end up in this, it's like having your mic on, on Discord or not, and yeah, not yeah. knowing what the status is, where you're not entirely sure if someone is seeing your eyes but then also like they're they're kind of uncanny anyways because they're like they're like a low like a grainy kind of it's a fucking it's taken from inside well, it's 2d your yeah. yeah i mean it's and a 2d image in, of your and eyes and then projected an image you know inches in front yeah. of your face so if somebody is, feels like they're making eye contact with you but actually you're looking at a screen instead and like you, like you don't even see them yes so it's like uh you're looking through people yeah so don't know <laughs> so that's a weird one right because it's like it Especially when it comes to, I think, people, like, interacting with other people. There's stuff like that where it's like, if you're not able to tell if technically you are looking at someone, according to this thing. Like, if it looks like you're looking at someone, 
right? Like, imagine you're at a coffee shop. That's just fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. It's some guy just these ghostly eyes just staring at you. Just staring at you. But actually, he's like, he's just watching Netflix or something, right? Yeah. But like, he's just looking right at you and just won't stop looking at you. Yeah, like, no, dude, that's not fun. So there's that piece, which I think makes it just odd when you're, even any context, actually, when you're using it, if you're around anyone else. Um, But then the other one is actually a a bit more troublesome. And actually, it's, it's related to, you know, we talk about Talon, the voice software that we've used to control our devices at various points. And it has actually the same problem as Talon, which is that Talon's great. Uh, the voice recognition is super impressive. You can customize it, et cetera. And all it does is when you say a thing, it'll try to do that thing, right? The problem with it is that on occasion, it either it misreads. There's false positives, essentially mm-hmm. a lot, right? Um, but it still does a thing. So the, yeah. <laughs> the review I was reading, the hand tracking on this thing is apparently fucking awesome. It has like these side-mounted like cameras that are tracking your hands at all times. So you can like really, you can just be like kind of like chilling. Apparently you can have your arm up like on a couch or something and it'll somehow still be reading your hand. The problem is they change it so that the, there's no, you know, hand controls with this thing like there are with most other VR headsets. So yeah. It's just, As it's like just, just no controllers that you hold on to. It's, it's just, just looking just at hands. you in the yeah. air. It's just, your, it's just yeah. watching your hands. And you, apparently you just, you to click, you basically like tap your fingers together, like your uh, mm-hmm. forefinger and index finger. But like all these pieces of technology, there's, Stuff where, like, if you're on a call with someone, or again, if you're talking to someone in, in real space while you're on this thing, people use hand gestures all the time, right? Yep. And this thing is just yeah. misfiring clicks fucking constantly, apparently, like to the point where if you're trying to do a variety of things with it, it's just kind of clicking on stuff just all the Italians time. Italians are in shambles right now. Oh my God. Just- <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, you have to be a person who doesn't talk with your hands to use this at all. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, do a video call with it. And now you're just like, I don't know, opening windows and shit constantly. And so that's one of those ones where I'm like, I understand that you want to make it a super usable thing in terms of like, there's no additional hardware, no peripherals where you have to pick up. But kind of like the town thing, what will kill what will kill usability for it is like if every time you're trying to use it, sometimes you're just randomly just random, doing shit. Just random bullshit happens. You know, <laughs> even if it's like fucking 5% of the time. Like it has to be so rare actually that it's kind of impossible, I think, in a system that's just kind of automate, in an automated way detecting what you're trying to do because it is wrong some portion of the time, especially because believe it or not, uh, you know, I like to send maybe a message to like the San Francisco, the Cupertino crowd. People use their hands for a lot of things during the day, like gesturing while you're talking, I don't do anything Washing else. Dishes. So like, if it you're going to use of their, uh, was it, was it a Mac OS update? Whichever update it was where, when you're doing like video calls on, on mm-hmm. a Mac, um, a laptop, a FaceTime. Yeah. Maybe it was on FaceTime. It's not on FaceTime specifically. It's like, just in, it's like any time you're on camera, basically it'll overlay f- interesting things based on like your hand gestures. Right. Which, is on by default and can be disabled. So like if you do a thumbs up, for example, then it does like basically like emoji-like things happen on the screen, right? Uh, so <laughs> they launched this a few months ago and then uh, – and and of course like it's, it's fun that it does that, right? Oh, yeah. Very but cool. also it doesn't no. <laughs> just – it does, yeah. That's not necessarily what you want, you know. And especially like as same as you're saying, if you're a person who just gestures a lot while doing things, then it's basically constantly trying to figure out. Like, it's just a, it's just a fireworks yeah, show. Yeah, it's a fireworks show. Basically. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know how much that's been like toned down since the initial launch, but I remember hearing a lot of very amusing anecdotes about people's yes. strange experiences, like ta- on a call with their therapist, you know, having a particularly tense moment, and also like bubbles start going up. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, it reminds that's me of great. that that video of that uh, that lawyer who accidentally turned himself into a cat uh oh, yeah. Yeah. Call yeah. a judge but he could and he couldn't figure out how to turn it off Hilarious. yeah it's I like but, but again it, this is this is the question of like if people are, are spending this much money on a device and there's all this weird stuff that happens with it when you're trying to use it for work whether well, it's well, you turn into a cat or false clicks or whatever you know well, the, the final uh, usability one for me was the fact that it uses your eyes because again there's no controls so it uses your eyes as the cursor location, right? Which, again, is very cool, but it requires actually interacting with everything in a completely different way because very frequently you will you'll move your mouse somewhere or tap on a thing in your peripheral, right? And you'll you hit it while you're there, like you click while you're there without really looking at it, or you'll move your mouse somewhere and then move your eyes somewhere else to like while you're clicking that. And you, you don't realize yeah. the extent to which there's actually a big difference in what your hands and eyes are doing 
while you're computing, essentially. But apparently now you gotta now you gotta sync it up. Yeah, so. sync it up. Yeah. So it's like it's one of the, it's just such an interesting thing because again, it's like I get what you're trying to do in this case, which is to remove a lot of what feels like that kind of like the VR, you know, appendages from the thing and make it just like so slick. But at the same time, what's actually happening from a usability standpoint is that you're largely reducing the kind input of like space. The, input space and the control space to a point where you actually end up with those questions of like, how can I, how can I use this for long periods of time in a way that isn't like really annoying? Like I could, I could watch something on it. Sure. But like, if I'm, yeah, but you can do that on a TV or a phone. Yeah. And like, like, so again, like what? Cool. Yeah. My prediction here is that, is that this current version of the Apple vision pro is going to sell well. I um, don't think so. Well, I guess it depends I, oh, I think, on well I think, I think, <laughs> I think, well, given that, given the, the state that it's in, right? It's like also it's a 3,000, in my mind, it's like a three kind of thing, right? Like they're, they make, they're making yeah. like 100,000 of them or something like that. Yeah. They're going to sell out. They're going to sell out however many they make because they're going to purposely know that this is a, it's basically a prototype. It's a market test, right? Sure. Um, the tech is really, really cool. Um, and I think it's overall probably going to get a positive response. Also, because of the fact that the people who are going to be able to get access to it are people who really, really want access to it. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's a, uh, if like if you're on the fence about it, you're not going to shell out $3,500 totally. yeah, yeah, for yeah. a limited, you know, yeah, like the, the price so, puts so, it in the appropriate like market space for, isn't it? Like it, it, it makes it, it only primes, for customers who would be into it basically because, of yeah. The and we've talked, we've talked a lot in the past about, um, about how price, reframes people's perception of things where uh when we when we made towel fight 2 free it it dropped its uh review score by like 1.2 stars or something mm-hmm. on on google play it was like 4.8 and it went to like 3.6 or 3.7 or something the, it's exactly the same game mm-hmm. the difference is that when you lower the barrier that people who are on the fence or maybe even like eh, i don't know they might just get it anyway mm-hmm. just to see. And then they're like, yep, I was right. I don't like this. And then they give it a poor review. <laughs> yeah. But if there's a, if there's a barrier, then people have to sacrifice something and opt into the experience and you're filter, you're pre-filtering out people who wouldn't be interested. Well, right? you're more likely to stick around so, for a while trying to figure out how to make it fun or you know, make it work in the case of like a, yeah. A, a so headset. I'm thinking of this as like the reason the price tag is so high, you know, and all this stuff. And the reason that the device is so limited is like, it's a proof of concept for the actual like hardware. Mm-hmm. And I think it's much less of a proof of concept for the actual use case of the thing. Well, I think you and can see that, will, that too. That will come later. And the know? fact that like, there isn't any Vision Pro apps, you know, like that's not, there's almost none. And then like- You the mean old, like uniquely for it? Like- Yeah, that like to yeah. try to take advantage of the fact that it's a VR headset, you know, that you're, that you're wearing. Um, the apps are basically like existing apps that happen to work fine on. Well, this is the other problem with, with VR that that we've that we've talked about in the past, where like when VR was when everybody was talking about VR in 2017 during that six month period, right? Um, we met so many indie developers who were like, "VR's kicking off, VR's taking off, we're making mm-hmm. a VR game," and the VR market never broke like more than point something percent of the PC gaming market yeah, in terms tiny. of number. It is it is big enough users. now, like it is it is big enough that you you could you could have a actual business case there, but you're the ceiling on that is far is like so low comparatively to the, yeah. like a PC game. Well, yeah, if you make a game, if you make a game that that is just for that, just for yes. VR or just for the Apple Vision Pro, like like if, if Apple says, hey, we're we're gonna sell a hundred thousand of these or whatever. That's all. Then you that's, got. that's that's how market. many possible users you can get if you make yeah. something that that is just for the, the Vision Pro, right? So what Apple's gonna have to do is is throw money at content right yeah. so but that's the interesting thing is, they, is as far as i can tell they didn't do that no i mean the, the, the signal to me that i was also watching was like who is participating who of the big players are participating yeah and, and it's participating. nobody and it's well that's what i'm saying is, is it's this is not a this initial launch of the thing in my mind is a soft launch uh they're they're just testing out the hardware and probably in the next generation or two 
it will become a something that they're that they try to angle to be like a more mass market kind of a thing at which point they'll be building out the content ecosystem and stuff like that but right now to me it's just like wouldn't it be cool if you could strap an ipad to your head that's basically that's basically where it is i think you're right the the fact that they're not throwing enormous amounts of money at making sure that there is an app ecosystem right that that makes sense there i think it's kind of confirmation that apple is uncertain about yeah they want to see if if yeah they want to see what the response is and if and if the tech uh bears out the the experience that they're trying to create right now which is like what we're talking about is a pretty limited experience, right? But if the tech can deliver really well on this small subset of what they want to do, uh, or at the very least they can sort of identify low-hanging fruit and like ways to improve the experience and the tech and all that, then they can kind of build it out to a yeah. point where they can. But I think you're still just at a point more. where I I just have a very hard time seeing a future where everyone straps the. Oh, me too. So. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. I'm trying to take the, I'm trying to take the, I'm probably wrong here because I was no, totally wrong smart. about the it's iPhone, yeah, yeah. you know. How uh, could this turn into something good, right? My answer is, it, I don't think it can, but yeah, you know. It, it needs either. to drop some LBs. <laughs> it's <laughs> it a little heavy. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think, uh, it, but if it, if it did though, I think it's going to be kind of one of those limited things where, where if Apple wants to stay in this market, the fact that it's going to be a small market, um, especially at any kind of really significant price point, you know, it's always going to be a subset of the other markets. Always. You're not like, I just can't. It's not a mass market. That's a prediction I'm confident in that like, you're not going to see that form factor of like strapping goggles to your face, uh, overtake just having a phone in your pocket. Like Mm -hmm. it's not going to come anywhere close to that. Right. So it's always going to be a tiny subset of the entire apps and games markets, you know? So yeah, I just don't see a way where it's sustainable unless the price tag remains really high for that subset of users. So which you probably will. Which is what this is what you kind of see in the VR spaces anyway, is that like the price points are just high because that's the only way to compensate for the tiny size of the market. No, I think now, I mean like the quest three is I think it's only like three and two or three. Those are getting pretty cheap, yeah. They're it's like cheaper than a console, now. but it's not a self-contained device, is it? Like, do you, do you have to hook I think it the into Oculus, your PC? I think the newer Oculuses are, but I'm not on. Yeah, one of them sure. is, then that one's more expensive, I think. But the other yeah. ones that you yeah. kind of literally, like, what I want from a VR headset is I don't want a self-contained device. I already have a computer that has everything that I use on it. I like I was saying earlier, it, to me, it's a monitor. It's a monitor replacement, right? Mm-hmm. It's a way of it's a way of seeing. Mm-hmm is what a VR headset is. Of so course, but also if, since you wear glasses, then that means you have to get, you know, custom bespoke lenses to put in the thing that match your perspective. Well, it's not really a way of seeing if you can't see the world also while you're seeing other yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's so, kind and of I am nearsighted, so maybe, but I don't know if like, it doesn't mess with your eyes because it looks 3D, but actually it's like one inch in front of your eyeballs. And so, but it looks like things are far away, but they're not. Yeah. Like, do your eyes, like if you're nearsighted, can you see it fine? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, because if that was the case, then I wouldn't have to wear glasses while wearing the thing, and I could see far away because it would take the images clearly from far away and then put them one inch in front of my eyeballs, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, like like if I could get a, a a device that could project where like my monitors and stuff like that, that I could just plug into my computer the same way I plug in a monitor, you know. But then, like, be, how do you do video calls and shit when you got like a yeah, dumb device? Yeah, because you still can't. Well, do that's, that. that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, you can't do. You know, most things. That's that's right? so good. I'm like, uh, I, there's just not a space to me for it's again for entertainment purposes. Hell yes, for very like very particular specialized things. Yes, it's a very cool thing that you can do, and it, it gives you a lot of power. But for the vast majority of people, under the vast majority of circumstances, well, because but I think even those specialized things, when you're when you're trapped on a really closed ecosystem, like. I'm assuming Vision, Vision OS will behave like iPad OS, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's all yeah, I mean, as in like it's going to be a very trapped and very sandbox. So you actually have there's actually not that much you can really do. Um, then even those specialized use cases, I feel like are just too hard to support. So like mm-hmm. I feel like even that kind of goes away. While in other places where where you can just plug into a Mac OS or a or a PC, you know, where it basically is a peripheral device that lives on top of an open or a more open ecosystem where you can actually do weird specialized stuff. Right. Like, I feel like there's still yeah. use cases there. Like I don't, I haven't seen any of them where I'm like, yeah, that's the thing you can, that's a real work case, you know, that like only works in VR that people are doing. Like I, I still haven't seen that for anything yet for any kind of. There's stuff like bodying an architectural space that you're 
putting together, like being able to walk through, you know, there's stuff like, yeah, that's what I mean by specialized. Where I'm like, I'm talking specialized, like, not like, like, and not even just specialized, but fucking specific. As in yeah, it's like very, very specific a thing that you're doing. That's really specific, which is like a yeah, walk around like, in a fake building. Yeah, yeah. We're like, it would make sense as like a company that does that to develop basically an in-house application for this to do this thing. So you can, you know, essentially better solve all these other problems associated with spatial awareness stuff but beyond those things yeah i don't i don't know i don't think it's yeah but if you but if you do make it like would you choose to make it on vision os versus make it more uh more uh cross-platform friendly things so you could use cheap things like quest pros and stuff my my other concern would be like if i wanted to develop an app for this for this thing um how much how much permission and interference would i have to deal with uh of interacting with apple to, to do that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because it's also the case that, um, you know, if you want to, if you want to develop and like publish something on, on uh, the app store, like it does have to go through Apple's review guidelines. And even if it's not published, pretty, right? Even if it's beta thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like you can, you can be publishing an internal beta for your own internal testing and Apple can say, no, we're dis- we're not approving this because it doesn't work. And you're like, I know that's why it's internal and I'm testing I it. I know. I know this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that, but like they, you know, they, they're very particular and they insert themselves into m- many steps of the development process. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're just wanting to make something for your own clients or for yourself or whatever, yeah, that's fair. you know, Which, are you going to want to drop? Like the argument nearly, is that that's you know, kind of all you can do, right? Because it's, it's like you can use it for these really bespoke cases. Like that's where it might find some utility, but if they're really bespoke cases, they're not mass market. You're probably building it for in-house exactly. kind of use. You probably and now don't dealing with party dealing. With yeah, it. now dealing with that ecosystem to do internal stuff. Like why, why, why? You know, and, and yeah. unless you're trying to part of what you're selling, of course, because if you're in those spaces where somebody is trying to do something that bespoke, it's really expensive. If you're gonna have a team who's going to develop that kind of stuff just for that purpose, you know? So at that point you might be doing it because Apple stuff is also a luxury yeah, good, right? Luxury, and so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you get Come to kind of put on you this get to show uh, off and like, yeah, people put on this fancy head. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. There's a, there's yeah. a signaling thing there, but I, again, it's like, eh, I don't know. It's just I'm, so specific. I just, you know, people don't want to wear stuff on their face. There's something also that's very like Jevons paradoxy about this, which is this, this device is equally bulky and heavy as VR devices from five years ago and 10 years ago. Yeah, it weighs like twice as much as the, the Oculus and the Quest. Or yeah, it's even heavier. It's like right? it's very it's, heavy, yeah. So even though computing power has grown and components have gotten cheaper and smaller, blah, 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 the demand for what, yes, right, like right, what right. capabilities they would need to have always goes up to match. And so – so like because of the Jevons paradox of this thing, th- these devices have never really delivered on the promise of like one day it'll just be like a pair of glasses that you could just put on. Right? Well, I think it's because it's like, sure, it's, you could do that if you just want to play Doom, but that's it. Yeah, right? it's because of just so. the of the form factor, which is like you can't – it can never that's just be a pair of glasses because it needs cameras. It needs LiDAR. It needs yeah. all this shit so that it knows where you are in space. It needs gyroscopes. It needs like so many things going on and especially if it's using – tracking your hands without external devices. It has to be able to fucking see everywhere, right? So it's Listen, like, what I want is a cameras. motorcycle helmet. That just is yeah. like, you know what, let's embrace the fact that you want to cocoon up, you know? And yeah. a leather jacket. Yes, comes with a leather jacket. That's a haptic suit, of course. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and that and it's just like we know that, that you don't want to see anyone. You want to shut out the world. So yeah. let's just fucking go. Like give me an insulated <laughs> giant helmet that has all the tech you need to make the most ridiculous shit imaginable. I'll fucking put that, just put that on. And the, hel- the helmet's good because when you bash your face into <laughs> stuff, exactly. the wall, uh, the table, you're, you're, you're like, oh, let me lean down and pet that that digital puppy. Boom. And then you smack your forehead against the table. Yep. No problem. Well, I, think this is, I think this is also why Steam's like, old approach to VR is, is – is, and the, in one sense, a lot better, which is they do a lot more externalizing, right? Because what they have is the idea of like you kind of designate an area yeah. and then you – at least the original way they did it is you'd actually put like some devices up that were kind of like right yeah, you can track. It's like a little fence are, right? post basically. You can see yeah. the edge. Yeah, and and I'm not sure if they still do it that way or how, how it all works. But like – but by externalizing some of that stuff, that's what allows you to take that shit off of your human body, yes. right? And I think the problem with that is that those have historically been so limited because it's like you need a square space with nothing in it, 10 by 10 feet or whatever. Yeah. And like nobody has that, right? But 
it's the thing that's kind of interesting. It's like people aren't really, it still feels like people aren't investing in like, how do we make it so that you can have, because you could put like, if it, if it was like low energy devices that were relatively cost effective, you could put fucking a hundred of them in a room. You know what I mean? Like you could just, you could just stick them everywhere. And if you could have something like that, like if that's where the investment was going, was actually focusing more, more and more on externalizing stuff and making that cost effective and really good. Rather than continuing to try to push everything into the device, because I, I think it just the feels the day, like the device still, as the endpoint is just the wrong move. You well, know? Like, fully self-contained. At the end of the day, I think still, if the if the requirement is to put a screen on your face, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't yeah. fucking matter. I think so long as you got to put a screen in front of your own eyes, which by the way, see a lot better than any video feed you will ever w- bear witness to, especially at that scale. Um, just, it's just not going to go. We need holograms. Well, it's, it's that's, a, that's all I'm saying. Develop hologram technology, you know? Yeah. Can we just do that? Hologram. Let's skip. Let's just skip across. Yeah. That's what I want. You just wear, you wear like a little pin on your chest. It just projects, you know. Yeah. Holograms out into the world. What's Easy so peasy. hard about that? Okay. All you got to do is figure out how to make light beams stop midair. Yeah. Yep. How hard can that images. be? Well, not necessarily stop, but actually like, because like light has to reflect off of something. Yeah, right? to, That's how it you works. You have to fabricate points of reflection in space. Listen, I don't know yeah, how light works. Which is works. super easy. So surely that means that it can't be that hard, you know. It can't be that hard. Put multiplayer yeah, into hard, a game well, and weekend, like, design fine. stuff. Yep. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, we'll see what happens with this thing. So yeah, I guess, yeah, it's uh, basically a big shrug. Um, yeah, I big think- shrug. Mostly I just, I feel, I'm weirded out by Apple's approach, as I guess my sort of short- thing here which is it's a really expensive device they spent all this money on marketing and on the device and they just spent none on the on rest on making sure there was stuff it. to do with it <laughs> uh which i just find so baffling well, they thought they but, thought yeah. every, all of us would make stuff to do for that it. is true they did and they thought they very wrong that turns out about that so you know yeah well you know one of the one of the obstacles is that we don't have one yeah it's, it's hard true. to develop for a device that you don't have. Yep. And we still um, wouldn't because the market isn't there, right? But Yeah. But but if they had sent us one, we would be – well, we would still never do it. But we would be more it. likely to do it. We would be 10 times more likely to do it. Yeah. 10 times zero, but still 10 <laughs> times, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So, again, that's what I'm saying is, it is because like, – to me, the approach feels weird if you're thinking of it as a, as a mass market thing. It makes sense if you're thinking of it as, as a – test launch slash uh, hardware test. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a prototype. It's get the prototype into the hands of really enthusiastic people and then well, especially because VR is an all do. edge case, right? That's like, it's, which is, you know, it's why, it's part of why, a big part of why I just don't think it's ever going to really succeed is you got to put a thing on your head. You got to be looking at something. It's that's very simple. Your vision. It's like and every single Part of making it work for every person in every context so that it does what you expect 99.9% of the time, which is what it really needs to do, you know? And doesn't make you throw up. It doesn't make you throw (laughs) up. It doesn't do random things on accident, et cetera. Like to get to that point, it's all edge case. Like everyone's hands are shaped different and they're different positions away from their human bodies. Everyone uses different ways of gesticulating. You you don't got to go any further than answering the question Do you strap this device to your face? Yeah, if true. the answer is yes, it's a flowchart. If the answer is yes, it's not who cares? Be a thing. Most no, people don't want it. <laughs> won't think about it. It just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. You got to think about anything. It's like it doesn't yep. matter how good the tech is if you have if to you strap put it on your face. It to your face. I don't know yep. how loud you need to shout this. <laughs> it's just not. No one. Yeah, like the only thing that we would be able to tolerate putting on our faces in a mass market way would be just something that looked like. And felt like glasses because we're already tolerating that, you know. Well, honestly, like I, I was so pissed off when I got glasses for the first time. It was oh, weird, so annoying. Yeah. It was I, so. Annoying. I remember, I remember, like coming home crying because, and I was like, I just, I feel like I'm now like looking at the world through windows. Yeah. Like I, like I feel like I'm in, like in the inside a space now, and I am looking out through these little holes. Yep. You know. Uh, and like, yeah, I got used to it over time, but also my glasses weigh like an ounce. Yeah, they weigh the upside. Is very, you know, very good. Yeah, the upside is, is you get to see. The upside is see. I can see, <laughs> right? So it's like, but it's yeah. a very different thing than strapping like five pounds to my head just so I can do less than what I currently do with other And devices, see worse. You know? And see worse and yeah. not be able to hear people around me or what, you know, whatever. Uh, so, you know, again, I'm, I am pre- I'm fully prepared to eat crow on this. Oh, happily. Yes. 
Yeah. Because I, I've been wrong about so many things, but I still just don't get it. I don't get it. So we'll see. Well, is like, <laughs> even, <laughs> even if it turns out there is mass market appeal, like I'm not getting one, you know, like, will I be the last I don't, person I don't to wanna, get a VR headset? You know, I don't, you know, but yeah. But yeah, I don't want to be stuck in the Apple hardware subscription treadmill where um, literally every single thing that you need for your device to function is another $200, yeah. a charger, a carrying case, a fucking head bu- headphone replacement. Like a, as soon as you own one of these devices, you just get, I wouldn't say nickel and dime, you get like <laughs> mortgaged. <laughs> yeah. You got to take out a second mortgage <laughs> just to like get, get charge the device now, you know, yeah. um, I just don't get it. I don't get it, well, but well, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll check back in next week when suddenly they somehow accidentally sold 14 million units, even though they only produced 100,000 and yeah, they're all a back order and the world has changed forever. Yeah, you know? I just don't so, think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so. We'll see. Uh, let's get on to questions. Highest up for the question comes from uh, our user Cuckoo Kachu, who says, Hey, B-Scotch boys. On my current Coffee with Butterscotch Marathon playthrough, I just heard you guys mention that Towel Fight 3 will be a game within Crashlands 2 mm. that is followed by Flux falling into a puddle that leads to Quadrupus 2. Mm. This was episode 167, so this would have been... Jesus. Uh, uh, well, yeah, about 300 episodes ago, so so about five five or six years ago, something like that. So, so way before we were even working on Crashlands 2. Yeah, yeah. Probably when we were... Right before we were working on Level Ahead, right? Or like in between? Yeah, probably. Uh so, uh, so my question is, how's that going? <laughs> <laughs> Got that monocle developed through the game changer yet? How's the quadrupi elemental combo mechanics coming along? Uh, lots here. of love to you all. Can't wait for Crashlands <laughs> 2. Stay beautiful. So it's, it's going, it's going okay. Just, we, we got the first part. <laughs> we, we, we've already done the first part really well, which is Crashlands 2. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. So we're most of the way there, if, you know, honestly. That's true. That was the hard part. Yeah. It is. like Because if you want to make a turducken, you know, the most important thing is to get... Is the turd. Yeah. Well, the turd. The turd part. You got to make the outer shell so then you can stuff it with, you know, sequels. Yeah. So Well, first you got to debone it, which we haven't done yet with Crash Ends 2, which makes it harder to get the other games in there. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's a little tight. A bit of a tight fit. It's a little, it's, it's a little rigid. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So sharpen up that bone and knife, fine, get in there. Now I'm thinking about it because with the game changer, you could actually make a monocle very easily. Oh yeah. We could do that in about 15 minutes after, <laughs> yeah. this, after this episode. We'd have to figure out what to do with it in the game. Yeah. yeah the question is, is random animals, obviously. Yeah. Cause it's a, it's a big moment that the moment we bring in the monocle, you know, from, from Talfite, then we've, we've done that now. We've taken that big piece of lore. Actually, did we? I feel like the monocle's in OG Crashlands. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The monocle is the focusing lens that you have to use to open the wormhole. Yeah. Does it, doesn't it get game. sucked into the wormhole at the end? I don't remember. I, think I can't remember. I think it did. If the monocle, I can't remember. We should we probably need to look back into the monocle for storytelling purposes yeah. in Crashlands too, because yeah, we're we're just assuming that you know it's like depleted of power or it's gone or something. I think it's but uh, it, it's probably in the void, you know. So just something, but really, something's got to get it back out of the void. We need the void fishing rod, you know, so you could go fishing yeah. into the void and pull up the monocle, and then. But the monocle isn't um, it isn't particularly unique or special. It's it's it was a regular monocle that got infused. With excessive juice power by a by a Viru helmet. I mean, that's what right? makes so like, it special and powerful. You know? Well, that, that is, but like it's basically that could also that could happen to to many other things. You know what I mean? It's not one of a kind in the sense that like it was a it was a an artifact created by a Viru. You're saying it's like a Horcrux? There could be dozens of these. There could happen. be dozens of things like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so it's not it's not a, a nothing, total loss if it's gone. You know what I mean? But, but the thing is, though, that's true from a – if you're not taking into account lore and fan service, you know, because mm. you got to bring back the same shit over and over and over again until people are sick of it. But that's that's, that's how you make a Bo- sequel. Both of our Towel Fight 2 fans are going to be really <laughs> upset <laughs> <laughs> if we don't keep bringing that monocle back. <laughs> uh-huh. That's exactly yeah. right. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have talked in the past about like nesting games within games. Um, and it's something that you see a lot in AAA titles. Oh, yeah. Where you can sit down and play Gwent uh, or go play chess or whatever the fuck, where it's like there's a little, somebody made that whole game that already exists or made like a whole new one. 
I do love that stuff. Yeah. But you do have to have a lot of, uh, well, a reason, but then also just a lot of extra time. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, was going to say, to me, it's, a, it's actually it's a parallel resources problem, yeah. which is it's very hard to justify stopping all development on the current game in order to add like a, a chess mini game or something, which is what you have to do when you're on a team of our size. Yes. That's true. If you have a thousand people working on your game, then you could have five of them working on this yeah, mini game. Things and it things people do in off time, you know, you know which adding a whole parallel game dev track inside probably is a good way to spend your resources, to be honest. Cause yeah. So we're at a, we're I mean, it like, would be pretty dope if we had like a, if you could make an arcade cabinet in Crashlands too and play like, and play like flop rocket on it. I want to, you know but I, mean? I want to make like some, like a locals game, you know, like whatever the checkers equivalent is on yeah, Logo, yeah, yeah. you can go like, cause I love, I love, I mean the Gwent thing, I think it was hilarious where you could just like go throw down. It's like playing, playing poker with the locals in like a saloon. You know what I mean? Like that feels yep. more in world oh, yeah. cool than like arcade. I mean, one time, a long time ago, probably one of the, within like my first year of learning how to program games, I made a chess, a chess game. It was chess two. I made the sequel to chess. Oh yeah. Cause nobody's, as far as I knew yeah, at no that time, nobody, I think there's nobody a, made a sequel. I think there uh, is a, a popular chess too that somebody also made. Um, yeah, but I was mine was first, so I'm gonna yep, be suing. Yep, yep. Uh, but I, what, all I did was I just I added uh, an extra ability to each of the chess pieces. Mm-hmm. So like a like a pawn could put down a uh, like a little like a gas canister in the space in front of it, which would block that space for one turn, mm. uh, or like a. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember all the shit that it, that I had. I think it was like like the the rook could swap places with any bishop or something like that. So like there were just some weird extra rules in there for each piece, and uh, it was actually it was it was kind of that's fun. It was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of fun to play. Like because you suddenly had to elevate your chess strategy to try to think about. It's basically uh, team fight tactics, where it's like almost yeah. an auto battler. You know, each unit has stats and abilities, and you got to know all of them and to manage all the placements and, and everything else. Yeah. So you're ahead of yourself. So like, but like that literally took me like a two days to, to make, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't, and I didn't do anything with it because, you know, uh, you'd either have to make it multiplayer or program <laughs> chess true. playing AI, which <laughs> is, is pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't do either of those things. I just threw it in the garbage after I made it. Uh, but you know, it's like this, like most problems that we deal with are integration problems. Yes. Where, yeah, uh, I could program up a chess game this weekend. No problem. Now what? Yep. Like where, where does it go in Crashlands 2 and how do you get, how do you get at it? And like, is, does it have it a separate progression track? Like oh, do yeah. you care to talk the, about solving it? Solving the like, local problem of making a mini game is really just a non-issue, but making it, making it good in the context of the thing and meaningful. And hook in and like all these beautiful ways, pain in the shorts. Yeah, making know? it a part of the world instead of just something that you fire up at an arcade cabinet that has nothing to do yeah. with anything. I actually really yeah. don't like arcade cabinets. This is one of my pet peeves in games, especially. Mm. Like, where did I play recently? I can't remember if it was in Cyberpunk. There's some other game I played recently where there's just like an arcade cabinet and you just go up to it and they just have. I think it was Cyberpunk and they just have like really dumb mini games in it. Which, like, granted, <laughs> granted, like in Cyberpunk, it's like that they built like a whole fucking city. So, like, sure, I guess there's an arcade. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know. I just, I'm You're not like, a fan. In this, in this in, insane. Insane technological dystopian future. Yeah, I was like, why is there like a These pixel are the best art games. horse game on this arcade? Why is there even an arcade cabinet? Yeah, people could just project games onto into their brain lobe. Probably. Yeah. What are we doing? The problem here? with cyberpunk right, is like from a meta level is you're playing it. You're playing this dystopian, you know, super cyber sort of future, right? So the games in there would need to be like even actually more intense and extreme than the actual game you're playing right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so if you wanted to have like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go strap on. Cause like, they, cause they play, they do stuff in like VR, like full the brain body dance. Stuff, right? Yeah. But they're yeah, not so games. You, you just like wander around. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But it's like, like you, ever, you see that Rick and Morty episode where, where uh, Morty puts on the headset and plays the game Roy, where, yeah. where you just, you live an entire life. Yeah. As, like in this other That's essentially person. what those brain dances are in. It's yeah. 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 Actually, so I, it, takes, started, it takes like a minute. I've started catching up on Rick and Morty this over the past like few past few days. Um, because apparently I hadn't seen there's like two whole seasons I hadn't seen, which I didn't even know. Um, but I don't know if you guys are caught up, but there is another because I think the Roy video game, the one where you just live another person's life for their entire fifth, you know, sixty year lifespan or whatever. 
uh, it returns as an, an, for another whole very bizarre plot line. Oh, so. It was a, it was a really interesting premise, right? Of yeah. like of like how that would kind of mess you up because because like you're living this life with this other person for so long because it's like in real time in your mind. Yeah, an entire and you, lifetime, and you don't right? know that you're just playing a game. Actually, like you just you you are that person. Yeah, and then one and then when the game ends, which it ends when Roy dies somehow, either you like got sick or you got into well, an accident sucked. or you know whatever, and and then you wake up again, and, and then like a few hours have passed in real life, right? But yeah, and but then you so you remember your whole life and everything that led up, you know, to you starting playing as Roy. And you now afterwards know that it was not real, but you experienced more of that life than you did of your own life. Yep. Right? Because if you live to be like 95 years old in, in the game of Roy, <laughs> then you experienced an entire lifetime. Yeah, but you might be like good. you might be like 16 in the real world. <laughs> yeah, they recover quickly because it's, you know, because it's a cartoon. Yeah. 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 That's that's pretty fucking wild. Well, I did want to actually mention because so. I forgot we, uh, as far as a Crash List Two update, real quick, that we yep. did put, uh, we did get click to move in. Oh yeah, week, yeah. Um, which is something we had gotten requested during the alpha, as well as some stuff people were talking about. It's not the same as the original Crash Lands, where everything's just you just click. It's right? not one click gameplay for everything. It's just the movement aspect, right. yeah. so you can control it with a mouse uh, while you're wandering around and you're doing stuff. And that's great. So that's nice. You know, just nice little tidbit. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's something that we've been, I don't want to say apprehensive about, but just like anticipating people being a little bit just not like a little bit disjointed mm-hmm. if they were really familiar with playing the first game, yep. which is just just click, just click, 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 click on that to cut it, click on here to go there, click on this thing. Uh, and so what that led to in the first game is precision controls are very difficult because you only have one way of of interacting with the world. And so the combat um, is a lot more slower paced and it's, you don't have to like worry about aiming or whatever. It's very flat. Yeah. So in Crash 2, we wanted to give you more ways to sort of, you know, engage with the world. And so that's where we have uh, ways for you to aim your abilities with different shapes of telegraphs. And you have this juke ability where you can quickly zip out of a space, you know, um, and that means that we can't, we can't just do straight one touch gameplay because you can't like aim in a direction before using an ability if, if you just click on a thing, but then also you can use a bunch of different kinds of items on the same thing. And so when you click on something, we wouldn't know what, what you wanted to yeah. do. Right. So the game is a lot deeper and has a lot more things going on, making it so that that one touch thing can't fully carry over. Uh, but it does feel good to be able to just like click a spot in the world and your character goes, you know, goes over there. Um, especially if you're traversing a, a longer distance, you know, being able to just kind of like hold, like click and hold your mouse cursor and just kind of lead the character. It does. I think it's, it's very good mood wise for just kind of, uh, flipping into a more casual vibe. Yeah. Where you're just like, I'm just going to cut down some trees and just kind of just using the mouse, just hanging out, vibing, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think, I think it works pretty good. So this is a pretty good update. Uh, all right, well, thank you for the, for the question. Uh, that's all the time we have for this week. I uh, would like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa Costa, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the community Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. And as always, if you haven't yet, head on over to Steam, give Crashlands 2 a wish list. It'll help boost the game and the charts. The algorithm will see it and bless us if you do this. I would appreciate it immensely. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.